Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official podcast and radio show of the Society of Graduate Students and Western University. I'm your host, Sharon Mandur. And I'm your co-host, Ariel Frame. And today we are broadcasting an episode of our hashtag graduated life series, where our guests are all Western grad alumni. Today we are talking with Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. Welcome to GradCast. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, Dr. Hayes, uh, we're, we're uh, glad to have you as our first um, hashtag graduated life series. Um, and we uh, are really interested in knowing, you know, your trajectory in life after having, you know, been where we are, where are graduate, graduate students that run this podcast. So I guess um, maybe uh, just to kind of start your story for for everybody to understand where you where you've been and where you where you've come from, um, right. can you tell us when um, when you graduated from Western? Like, what was your grad degree, and you know what did you do? I graduated from Western in uh, well, at the time, of course, it was the University of Western Ontario. So you know, I'm going to have to use the old uh, monikers. I graduated in '92, which seems like a terribly long time ago. It doesn't seem all that long for me. I had a, a PhD from the history department. And uh, so I was very lucky in that uh, there were a lot of historians around doing doctoral work at that stage, but um, I managed to secure a position at the University of Waterloo where I'm from. And so my trajectory, I, I suppose might be considered normal, but even at that time it was abnormal because the vast majority of PhDs in history didn't go <laughs> into history departments. They might've gone into government and other things. So I was um, one of that few, one of the few people it seemed in the 1990s when uh, uh, a variety of things were shrinking history departments. So I was lucky there to, to be able to get in at, uh, at, at Waterloo. All right, I wanted to ask, so you finished your MA and then you were, did you decide right away that you wanted to do a PhD? And did you decide that it was gonna be Western or did you have a bunch of schools in mind? Um, I, I got doing graduate work, I think by accident. And, and I guess one of the things that I'm really fortunate about is that I had really good mentors. And so I, for reasons that I still can't remember, I went to Laurier which was just down the road from my high school. I went to Waterloo Collegiate. And for a weird reason, I, I, all my friends, all my friends went to Western and uh, they all went on and did far more wonderful things, I suppose. By that, I mean, they made more money. And, uh, and then in, uh, but I went to Laurier and I started in geography and then I went, switched over to political science. And then I, I got a, a, a taste of what history meant by taking courses with a guy named Terry Kopp. And Terry remains a very dear friend of mine. And, uh, and if it wasn't for Terry, I don't think I would have understood something about why I was so, why doing history would be such a cool thing to do. So after I finished the BA um, with Terry, I had a project in mind he was just at that time, Terry was like so many people of his generation, a social historian. He was a labor historian. And uh, David Berkison and Des Morton and Jack Granitstein, all these various names in Canadian history, none of them were doing military history. 
In fact, nobody did military history because that was a bad thing to do and you didn't want to talk about it. Uh, you know, the Vietnam War had just ended in 1975, so it was it was not a very popular topic. But Terry had started doing military history. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Uh, I was taking a seminar with Terry in uh, whenever that was, 1983, I guess. And my uh, uncle who had been in the Second World War and had been an infantry soldier, an infantry officer, um, came up for Thanksgiving. Check that, it was the fall of 82. And uh, he suddenly started talking about his war experience. And I went back and talked to Terry about it. It was just starting a project that's known now as the Maple Leaf Root Series, in which he tried to uh, discuss and explore the experience of the Canadians in the Second World War through Northwest Europe. And he came out with a, a document with my uncle's signature on it. So if ever I thought there was a kind of, uh, you know, karma, I figured I better pursue this. So I did an MA with Terry, spent a lot of time with a lot of veterans back in the 80s, and then decided to do a PhD. Although I was not at, at any stretch um, determined to do a PhD, I kind of, again, followed the cosmic trail a little bit. I was supposed to write the LSAT, and I, I, I actually did, but I didn't, you know, I can, maybe this should be edited, but I did really badly on the LSAT. And uh, so, so in some ways, I think maybe this is terrible. I did my PhD because I really did badly on the LSAT. I, I probably would have been a lousy lawyer. So anyway, I was, I was very lucky, as I say. That's a kind of a weird way of explaining how I got to Western. I was going to, oh, to the other half of your question, I was thinking about Queens because I was going to do military history and nobody was studying that back in the early 80s. So I was going to go to Queens. And I remember talking to Brian Palmer, who was a fairly uh, well-known social historian. And he didn't, he was very nice. He was very pleasant, but he didn't want to have anything to do with somebody studying what I was studying. And, uh, and at that time, there were really no connections between RMC Royal Military College in Queens, as there are now. So um, I went to uh, Western in part because Jack Hyatt was there, AMJ Hyatt, who had been in the military and had been in the Directorate of History, Department of National Defense. So that's kind of the weird route that I ended up taking to get to Western. I, I think um, it's not too uncommon an experience for students nowadays um, to not really be not be entirely sure what they want to do until like the last minute. Um, it, even, even like right, right the second before they start grad school, I've even met people like in their first year of grad school and they're kind of like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to go to med school. I kind of wanted to go to law school. Um, I'm not really sure I was in business and then I, I did it. Uh, so it does feel like this kind of a, a um, like, uh, learning what you actually want. Uh, it, it is a process you go through in your PhD for, for some people. Um, can you maybe tell us, uh, you know, your, your growth as you, you started your PhD, kind of not sure, kind of one foot in the law school door and one, one foot in the, the history door. And then, and now you're like fully in the history world. Uh, how was your, uh, you know, thinking in terms of your career plans, uh, changing as you went through your PhD? Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I'm not sure if I can 
give it full justice. The, the doctoral program for me was a humbling experience because I came out of Laurier, which was a small program and I did pretty well and that was fine. And so to come, there was a real adjustment that I needed to take at Western, bigger department and, uh, and, a, and a different culture. It used to be the history department used to be up in the social sciences center which was the most god-awful, sorry, maybe I'm not supposed to say this, Emily, but you don't have to take this out. It was horrible. It was it was that fifth floor, uh, felt like you were in a hospital wing. And and it was cold and the grad, uh, grad offices had no windows, you know, and it was just kind of like, oh. So it, it, there was a real period of adjustment and I must've been, I, I don't think I, I behaved particularly well. I think I was a bit arrogant. And, uh, and I needed to be kind of brought down, which was fine. Uh, the first stage of the, of the program is always tricky too. There's a big attrition rate. There was one other guy, Chris Anstead, who started his PhD with me. And uh, Chris was a lovely fellow and he didn't take an academic uh, route. But there was a core of people, and the one person I remember very fondly was Nancy Boucher, who now teaches at, uh, at uh, McMaster. And Nancy was sort of our mother hen who kind of looked after us a little bit, showed us the ropes, and told me who not to insult or cross or whatever. Uh, but that first year is always tricky because there's a lot of reading, an enormous amount of uh, examination, writing papers, and then in preparation for fields, the field exams that poor Sharan is getting ready for. Always an unpleasant experience, but it it was something that I enjoyed and, and something that I, uh, despite making a few embarrassing uh, falls, I suppose, I think by the time I finished the, uh, the comprehensives, I, I thought, okay, I know what I want to do. And, uh, and so, you know, there's a, like in any graduate program, Ariel, are you in neuroscience? Is that what you're in? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always this kind of weeding out, isn't there, of just different elements, different hoops in the program that, that may well people jump through with little trouble or, or some people decide it's just too much. So, and, it, and it's fascinating too. I think the Canadian system is a kind of weird hybrid of the American and British systems. And I think we've imposed a lot of hoops to jump through. Maybe it's the case in the sciences, but it was a pretty vigorous exercise. And I must admit, I look back on it and think I'm still learning from what I thought I had learned from that process. But now that I'm kind of at the other end of it after 30 years, I still find it fascinating to kind of reflect on that a lot. That felt really weird to me because it was like every time you're saying things about comps and coming in from Waterloo and doing this sound like I was the same way. I was kind of yeah. like the Western was so different. It was also kind of humbling to come into the department and like learning things, I guess, like I didn't learn over at Waterloo or like just new things or and this comp stuff is like I'm going through it and I was like, man, this is tough, but it's also kind of like rewarding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I no, I think so too. I think it's a, uh, it well, yeah. You and I kind of have shared that experience, haven't we, Sharan? So we're coming out of a different program, different culture, different dynamic, and and Western was intimidating. Let's put it that way. 
Uh, and but I was I was really lucky too. I should say I did win uh, a good scholarship. I had the Sir John A. Macdonald scholarship actually mm. from from uh, I guess it's OGS. So that was nice. I mean, it it, it meant that I didn't have to worry too much about working other than being a TA. And that too was a pretty crazy experience. Suddenly having to find yourself, I'd done a bit of TAing at, at Laurier, but uh, with that said, I really enjoyed the classroom. I really enjoyed teaching. Uh, and it was, it was, that was a nice adjustment, but getting used to the culture of another university for me was really took, took a while. So yeah, you and me both. Yeah, the TAing, the same thing. First day I came in, I was like, what do I do to get them all talking? <laughs> oh. by, by the end, it was all great. And it was a lot of fun. But like at the first day you come in and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to tell you, it doesn't get any worse or any better, you know, somehow. Sometimes I walk into a tutorial and I'll go, oh my gosh, it's like, pulling teeth you know it's terrible and I've been at it for 30 years so it's yeah see all of these kind of weird lessons keep bubbling back after after three decades and, and, and you still you know get through I'm on sabbatical now so for me August is terrible because you always kind of oh you know you want to get everything done September's coming so this year I don't have to worry about first week of classes meeting new students and so on i like that but it also makes me nervous so i'm i'm, I'm feeling a little relief from that weird yearly cycle of anxiety that you sometimes get so it's like i never left school <laughs> it's bizarre i guess um uh, reflecting on you know what you said about how difficult it was you know the struggle that you went through i guess you you know mentally conceptualizing where your place was in the world as you go through the program in addition to the, the rigors of of actually doing doing the work required of the program and and i think that that maybe that hasn't changed a lot uh it's still quite rigorous but uh, but you know uh there's always different program requirements different different requirements across different schools different programs and yeah. um and, and, and I guess things, you know, people's sensitivities have changed and people's relationships with, with school have changed a lot as well. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I know that I've spoken to uh, one, of the, one of the biology professors um, who are in the hallway <laughs> and uh, he frequently would say things like, you know, back in my day was way harder. Like our comps required this, this and this and your comps are so easy now and, and, and whatnot. And, and I mean, maybe that was, that was his experience and maybe, maybe it isn't yours, but maybe can you tell us you know especially considering you've gone on to stay in academia and you actually have you can you can really speak to the, to the current day school because you're in it yeah. <laughs> and how you were in the past how do you feel about like um the way programs like program requirements generally and like what are their expectations of graduate students how much how much do you think they have changed how much have they changed yeah, this is a leading. This is a leading question. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bite at your at the hint here. It's. It's. I. I. I would say that. Well, things have changed. I mean, that there's no doubt about it. And maybe requirements have changed. Um, and that is. Well, do I want to go down that road? Uh, no, I don't. I. But I think the whole kind of environment of graduate school is has changed too, because. It, but it's evolved. I was really lucky. 
in the 90s to get a tenure track job. Uh, in our department, there were three people that got a job in that decade. And there were a lot of retirements. So, and with that said, it was always something that in my field, when people came to me and said, like, Sharan, you know, don't do a PhD, Sharan. I told you that. He did. He did. He did. He's like, yeah. don't do this instead. I was like, and I, granted, I did work for a while before deciding to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you have nobody, but, but there is, so, so in some respects, the opportunity, especially in the humanities, to remain in academe has been a challenge for a long, long time. So for me, the question, and I probably put it to Sharan, the chances of getting a permanent job at a university of the kind that I have are pretty slim. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily reason to scrap it. If you love the topic and you and you feel as if it's something that you have an opportunity of doing, then 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 do it, you know. And uh, and there's an opportunity cost. See, I've studied economics somewhere along the way. And there's an opportunity cost to that. But it, it looking back on it, uh, you know, I saw a lot of people who enjoyed graduate school too much. <laughs> and, and there is, it's a pretty cool life. First couple of years, I really dug it because I was living on my own and I was, you know, have some good friends that I met through that time. And then by the end of my graduate school, I... I had a, uh, I was married, I had a little boy and I needed to get a job. So what greater incentive to finish graduate school in my view than to suddenly, you know, move into that world. But in that, in that respect, I mean, people that were hired in the seventies were being hired without PhDs. There was such a shortage in Canada of, of, uh, of professors and the expansion of the university system. And and now we're seeing a real contraction, and uh, and that certainly concerns me for a lot of reasons. So, for us as historians, Sharan is uh, in that world now with with us. I I think you do it for the love of the book, and you do it for the love of the project. You know, you you've made a set of choices that you're going to have to. <laughs> You, know, you, you could have made a lot more money somewhere else, you know. And that's and I keep thinking about that too as I make oh. my way. Do I have a story for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the people in the sciences and the people in other fields can certainly find work in other areas. Uh, but for us, but for us still, I'm always amazed at the degree to which people in our in our world who might not end up in the academy, end up in government, end up as fairly senior policy people who've done quite well for themselves. So I think there's still something about the value of a doctoral education in history that that's important um let let's say you know presume you have a current graduate student in front of you well i guess you kind of do in yeah. in sharan uh, in your department and in me in another yeah. uh, field um what kind of advice would you give to a current student assuming they're you know hundred percent already motivated. They've already taken the uh, the step. I, I'm going. Yeah. To, I'm in my PhD. I'm doing it yeah. now. Now, how do I how do I deal with my life having done it, made this choice, and I'm going to finish? Um, yeah. And then what what should I do after? What kind of advice do you have for people like us? Well, ultimately, I would think that you consider it a full time job, and and you 
put the hours in nine to five, if longer, if, if need be. And, and you consider it a full-time job because in my world, uh, I have an awful lot of students who are ABD, you know, and they put it on their email thing, you know, their email signatures and so on. And I think, well, that's great. That tells you where you are. But if you don't have the degree, you're, you're living in a kind of uh, limbo. Per, per, limbo, yeah, purgatory. That was the word <laughs> I think of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sharon, that's where you are. And there's a real momentum there. There's a real set of kind of distractions. You know, you want to teach. You want to engage in another project. You want to, you want to uh, uh, write papers and go to conferences, all of which are really good. But those become distractions from finishing the thesis. And, uh, and for us, that thesis is, is what needs to be done. It needs to be defended, needs to be critiqued and, and edited. And then after that, you know, then you're in a position, I hope, to maybe get into academia or maybe not. But it, take it as a job. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I always thought that there were a lot of people I knew who were really smart people, but who loved being a graduate student a bit too much. <laughs> and, uh, and then the years would creep on, you know, and they would take a leave. And, and you know, right now, golly, COVID has is, is created all kinds of weird gaps and everything else. But to get back to it and to finish the degree is really the key, you know, because otherwise you, you can't apply for the jobs that may or may not be out there. Sorry, Sharan, that's probably not what you, well, it is, it is. It's not what you want to hear. It's what you, you know. I mean, you already know that I probably do that anyway. <laughs> I come in in the morning and then I leave yeah. really late at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's great. And that's great. So it really is a function of discipline. And I, I don't want to sound all preachy and everything because I don't have a lot of discipline, but uh, the idea of uh, being able to, you know, see the work through and, and oftentimes, you know, realizing that you've, writing history is about making choices and those choices are not always life altering but saying you know today I'll, I'll make a decision about what I'm reading and what I'm writing about and then saying yeah I may well change my mind next year because history is a river as I keep telling my students Shran's heard that before so it, it means that in our in our world, you know, there are ways in which the you're contributing to the evolution of an ongoing conversation. So don't don't write the definitive history of whatever topic you have. Uh, get her done and 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 move into the world where you can have some greater options, whether in academia or outside. Um, you know, I think that's uh, I know, although it's directed, you know, more towards the humanities focus. I, I think that yeah. some of that advice still is pretty salient for any graduate student, you know, take it seriously, work, work hard, uh, make sure you persevere and complete because there are plenty of people who don't uh, in every sort of program. So that I think is really fair of you to say. And the attrition rate is crazy Yeah, because, you know, I mean, not to put too much of an edge on it, but the odds of anyone getting completed are probably fairly small and then you'd be good to get a postdoc be good to uh move into something that gives you an opportunity to work on other other material and other subjects so yeah getting it done early is is a good gig 
as early as one can. And, uh, and that's one of the great challenges at that stage. Um, I'm, you know, that maybe you, I don't know how you'd feel about entertaining a hypothetical, <laughs> but, uh, hypothetically, if you didn't, uh, you didn't go to Western, um, and, and assuming you didn't go to law school too, because that was your, you know, you're not, you said you, you were thinking about that. It wasn't really on the table at the time. Um, yeah. you go back to yourself and give yourself advice had you're not going to Western, uh, would you go somewhere else or what would you, what would you have done? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I guess I was fairly uh, naive. And, and again, the market was so different too, right? I mean, it really wasn't very, I mean, you know, Sharan, my advice to Sharan is the same advice I got from other people don't do a PhD. But I was, you know, I got it and I was very happy with it. I don't know what else I would have done. Um, I, I liked teaching. I probably would have gone into high school teaching or something like that, you know, uh, as my girlfriend at the time did and she did very well. And I think that was, that was a big option for a lot of history people at that stage. And, uh, you know, you do the one year degree at, at Althaus and, and uh, the jobs were fairly plentiful. So it's, it's fascinating how, you know, there's a lot of market forces that work there too, but that's likely where I would have gone. Uh, but I don't think it would have been nearly as rewarding for me anyway. I really enjoyed uh, teaching at all levels and, and uh, you know, except for Sharan, I've had some of the best graduate students uh, <laughs> in 30 years who've come oh, out of COVID. So it's been, it's been pretty cool to see some people moving on to do good things. Mm -hmm. Just like, just like Sharan. Yeah, who just didn't listen to your advice. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's probably good. You know, my kids oh. never listen to my advice anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, I, I, I feel like I did listen to it a little and I went to work and I did some work, but then I was like, man, I'm not really enjoying this. And, and I had a project I wanted to work on. I reached out here, we got in, and I was like, I kind of enjoy it now. Uh, I, yeah. I love teaching. The tutorials have been a lot of fun, uh, <laughs> but we'll see, I don't know. Uh, ask me again after comps are done, if I think you were right. <laughs> Well, it is one of those things that it takes on a different perspective when you're on the other side of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just, just remember that it's not all memory work. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's often a very anxiety producing gig, which in part, I suppose, is what they're trying to do. But yeah, yeah it would be different on the other side. It, what's, what's funny with my stuff is that I often think, oh yeah, now that I'm way on the other side of all that stuff, now I get what they were trying to do. So it shows you how slow I am, that, that I didn't fully appreciate the nature of what the comps was supposed to be. So now that I'm on the other side of it, I get it, but there we are, you know? I, I learned these lessons very slowly, Sharan. That's okay, that's fine. Well, you <laughs> taught me a lot too. It was like, I remember in my first year of tutorial, I was like, or when I first started the tutorial, because I'm like, you helped me out a lot during undergrad and I'm like I kind of wanted to pass that on and I tried my best to do that 
and then yeah well, so. you, you made my day thank you <laughs> very, that's very kind you're very kind to say that <laughs> yeah. so i don't know a lot of uh, but i have I, no responsibility for what choices you've made <laughs> uh anyways i think we're almost about uh out of time so so, so thanks for being on here, Dr. Hayes. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. You've been listening to an episode from the series Hashtag Graduated Life. I've been your host, Sean Mandur, and my co-host was Ariel Frame. We've been speaking with Dr. Hayes, and this episode was produced by Amelie Hutchinson. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the day.